What up, Redemption? It is special guest host John Early here for Threshing 4, episode 31, Flipping the Script. So tonight we have me guest hosting with our special guest, John Hendricks. You'll have to listen to the episode to find out why. And we're going over a lot of spoiler news tonight. And we also have some happenings in the community to talk about, as well as the winner for our week four giveaway, followed by our week five riddle. It is a doozy. So let's get right into it, guys. Thanks for being with us. Hey everybody, welcome to The Threshing Floor, episode 31, and if you are confused because you're hearing John Early's voice right now and not John Hendricks, that is because this episode is called Flipping the Script. So due to some uh, circumstances, my buddy Hendricks is not 100%, and so we are going to flip the script, and I'm going to do the hosting, and he is going to be the guest. So you're going to have to listen to me talking about some news some spoilers, and then I'm going to ask him a series of questions about his uh, redemption progression and where he sees the future of his things going. So let's all give a round of applause for our guest, John Hendricks. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? Feels like I've been here before. I can't quite put my finger on it, but seems very familiar. It's, it seems familiar to you? All right. That's good. That's good. All right. So let's uh, dive right in on everything. So here is the news for the week. So we are recording this on Sunday night, and the Lackey Grand Prix final round is still technically going on, but I've been told by my buddy Jay that the top four is mathematically locked in, and in theory, the game should be done by the time you're hearing this. So if they're not, I apologize to you guys uh, who have just been told that your games uh, were maybe mathematically not quite as important. But the top four for the Lackey Grand Prix, uh, the third edition, are Jaden, Luke, Matt, and Rob. So congrats to those guys, and we'll get some uh, information from Jay coming out hopefully soon. And maybe they're maybe they'll be able to stream uh, these games like they did for the first edition. That would be pretty cool. I think people really enjoyed that opportunity. Then we've also got a couple new videos out this week. We have from our good friend Tyler Stevens a video called A New Take on Toss. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I haven't watched it yet, so I don't know exactly what's in it. But it's a Tyler video, so you know it's probably going to be pretty good. He's probably got delivered in the deck somewhere. I'm willing to bet good money on that. And I'm willing to bet that it's probably pretty fun. What do you think, John? Yeah, either that he's either got delivered in there or he's got calf, so he's covering one of his two basics uh, to make sure that he hasn't been kidnapped. Like you can tell it's his video if he's <laughs> forcing those cards in there. But there yeah, I, I started to watch this video and I, I didn't get too far into it, but definitely on the to do list. So then we have another video out from a newer player to uh, the scene here, uh, him has put out a couple of videos, but uh, the one that I was most interested in this week that I saw was a video on some rotation deck building. He did a live stream where he uh, built a rotation deck, and then I believe he played it in a game against uh, Jaden. So uh, the video should be available on YouTube, but like I said, he live streamed it, and it should have, uh, I think that the way that works is now is available to go back and watch, so I would encourage everybody to do that you want to get a look at some deck building and then obviously uh, gameplay between two pretty good players is always something something worth watching there 
Next little bit of news is Derek Torado, uh, our friend Derek over at Your Turn Games, is hosting an online tournament. I believe this is an official tournament, and that will be on Sunday, May 22nd. So this Sunday, you got five days to sign up for that and go ahead and play in that. And I believe that it will be rotation and LOC only as the categories offered. So if you're looking to get some uh, real life redemption in, that is your place to do that. Uh, I will be skipping that one because the day before that, May 21st, is the Minnesota State Tournament. And I imagine that I will be all redemptioned out after a long day there. How many days in a row of redemption do you think you could play there, John? Um, I guess it depends like what time of the year. Like right now with all of the outside things that are pulling on me, like baseball with the kid and stuff like that and work picking up. I mean, it's kind of hard just to fit in any redemption right now. But I mean, as far as just my tolerance for it, I could probably I could probably go – a couple weeks straight of playing every day if time was not, you know, such a, you know, precious commodity. A couple weeks straight. All right. Anybody thinks they can go more than a couple weeks, you let Hendricks know. All right. Last little bit of news. It's not really news, but I thought uh, it was worth mentioning that we're getting really, really close to Nationals, guys. We are 10 weeks away from the National Tournament in Iowa. My buddy Gabe is hosting a North Liberty. If you haven't already gone out to Land of Redemption and pre-registered for the tournament, now is the time to do so. Um, I believe we've already ordered uh, things. I think Rob's already ordered, so we should hopefully have plenty of participation promos. But uh, if we haven't ordered those yet, which I'm not 100% sure that we have, uh, now is the time to get in, get your pre-register in, start making your plans, get the hotel rooms booked, all that good stuff. We are 10 weeks away. We are getting super, super close to Nationals. I could not be more excited. All right. That is all the news we have for this week. So we're going to jump into our ongoing giveaway in celebration of the threshing floor uh, reaching its half-year mark. We've been doing this for a few weeks now. So last week... Uh, the riddle was a relatively tricky one, unless you know how my mind works, in which case uh, you probably figured it out. So the riddle was this answer can be found in rotation. I am the only character in the Bible who does not have a father. Who am I? And the answer was the rotation legal version, Joshua, son of of none. So a little bit of a uh, knee slapper there from me, but uh, hopefully we had a number of players that got it. Hendricks has that info still. I'm I'm hosting, but he's got all the goodies over there. So yep. if he wants to hit the drum roll button and hit the spinner, we will draw our winner. All right. So I will say that this week had the most incorrect answer. So some people might get mad because Melchizedek was kind of a worthy answer there but not quite what we were looking for. So out of the correct answers, we will get ready to roll. Our buddy Jaden Alstead is the winner. 
Jaden Allstead. That's unfortunate. I was really hoping to sell him one at Minnesota State this weekend. <laughs> um, well, I maybe do... maybe we can just postpone sharing the podcast episode till he buys one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just hold off on a week on on posting this episode. Everybody will be real confused on Tuesday. So uh, I do have these in hand, by the way, now, everybody. They are available for sale on Covenant Games. Uh, our good buddy Emmanuel from uh, Massachusetts or Connecticut, I don't know, one of those northeastern states, uh, he purchased one that is going to go out in the mail uh, tomorrow morning. I haven't figured out exactly how to mail these. Derek, you got any advice for me? Give me a call, buddy. Let me know how you mail yours out. I think I know what I'm going to do, but uh, Emmanuel's might be a little sketch, so hopefully it gets to him in one piece. But uh, that's awesome. Jaden uh, wins. And they do look good. They do look, they do look good. Yes, they do. I'm I'm super pumped with how they turned out. Maybe so, Jaden, we can get a manual to give a uh, you know a couple pictures and kind of word of mouth to show how good they turned out. Because I had questions about whether they would turn out great with the logo, whether it would like pull too much focus away from it. But it looks great. Yeah, I think they turned out better than I was anticipating. Um, I was actually really concerned. So this is the first time I produced a a play matter product like that. And I'm fairly decent with, you know, graphic programs and things like that because I do some stuff for the cards, right? And so as I'm working on it, I go to upload it to the website that's producing these and I download their template. I do all the work on it. Hendrick sends me the file that he had built initially. And then I added the logo and all that stuff. And then I go to upload it and I hide all the layers that they say to hide and I export it as a JPEG. That's what they say to do. And then I upload it and then it wants me to space it and say, okay, so these edges are going to might potentially get cut off. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Didn't I just do that with all your templates and all that kind of stuff? So I was like super concerned that I was going to get this thing and have like a rectangle all the way around it of just like no color because of how uh, the upload process to their website worked after I used their templates to download it. But it turned out beautiful. There's color all the way to the edges. It's what we wanted to see. So that is fantastic. So that is our week four winner, Jaden. And I will probably give him his play mat in person at Minnesota State, uh, save myself a little bit on shipping there. And I think supposedly Kai, our week three winner, is also going to be at Minnesota State this weekend. So I might get to save shipping on two of these. I'm real excited about that. So uh, we will save the rest of the week four that had the correct answer in case for weeks five and six here, uh, one of these fine gentlemen that has already won um, gets uh, it's the grand prize, so to speak, which is the contender deck from, again, our friends over at Your Turn Games. So the winners, Kai, Luke, Robin, now Jaden, uh, can still enter for weeks five and six. And if they get picked, then their playmat will get redrawn out of the pool from the week that they won in. So are we ready for the week five riddle, John, you think? I think I think so. All right. So here is the week five riddle. This one is for a threshing floor playmat sponsored by Covenant Games, as well as your choice of contender deck from currently available contender decks. Uh, through your turn games here is the riddle i think this one is super easy if you've read your bible if you haven't read your bible you might want to open it up out of the eater 
came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. This is a rotation legal card. Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. All right, so that is the riddle for week five. And I think we are ready to move on to spoilers. And oh boy, do we have a full set of those this week. So we have, and I hope I did this right. You got to remember that Hendrix is a pro. I'm just subbing. And so I did all the prep work on this one. And I looked and said, okay. And I didn't, like, I listened to the episode last week. But I didn't go back and re-listen to see if he'd covered any of these. I just went by the dates that they were spoiled. So hopefully... These are all new, but we've got four GOC phase two cards and we have a whopping six Israel's deliverance starter deck spoilers. And the reason that we have six of those will become apparent as we get into them, but we're going to start with the four GOC cards. So the first one up is Herod's guard. It is a gold evil character it is five four numbers warrior class and this guy is generic for all you type two players out there his ability f blocking prevent the next good card played in battle you may exchange this card with a herod from deck or territory cannot be prevented by a good card tell me what you think about this one john i think this one's pretty cool I think some of the strong abilities on the Herods that we've already seen, uh, I don't remember them by title yet, putting abilities with titles, but I know there was like Herod uh, Agrippa the First and uh, Herod the Great or something like that that had pretty cool abilities. And having the ability to prevent the next card come in, get those strong abilities to go off while preventing the next card, it's pretty good. And this is cannot be prevented, so... For all the decks that are splashing Noah and have other ways to, you know, prevent evil characters, you know, with Babel, things of that nature. This being able to, well, I guess Babel would still stop it because it's by a good card. Yeah, but, so Babel still stops it. But I, I, I get the point you're driving at there. Yeah. So just making sure that it comes in and gets its ability, but then is not, is not, cannot be negated like Joshua. So you could, you could technically see that card from lineage of christ what is it like spears that negates the last card that was withdrawn from battle you can see that that gets some play against this yeah that's not the exact wording on it but that is the card that's that's what you want to do um so it says it's spears and it's well in battle you may discard this card to negate and decrease an evil character in battle or the last evil character removed from battle zero three and so what you can do with that is technically the Herod was the last character removed from battle when it goes to exchange. And so you can use spears to negate Herod's guard and bring it back into battle, decrease zero three. So that will undo the, you know, preventing the next good card, all of that good stuff. So there is an answer to it. There's a couple answers to it, actually, but that's a really solid one. And that was actually a play that in 2020, 
um, the marshals used to really great effect in their decks. They were all playing spears and as part of their big banding chains at the time, and frankly still today, Deceiver um, just auto lost to spears because Deceiver had low enough numbers that it just died. So whatever dude you went and switched for went away, and then Deceiver was decreased and just died. And I don't know very many people packing orange negates for Deceiver in their defenses. So it was really effective then. And I think it's definitely going to see a resurgence now with Herod's Guard. And then last week uh, we had um, uh, Herodias' daughter, the other one that's kind of similar. So Herod's definitely are getting pretty strong with, you know, abilities that they can basically just uh, tack on to other characters, whether it's going to grabbing a battle winner that they need or preventing the next good card. Definitely a lot of fun little tricks with them. That's that's why I mentioned that one card, just because they had the other character that kind of did a similar thing to where you kind of facing Herod's that has two targets to kind of, you know, stop you from being able to come in and just get an ability and then exchange. Yeah, for sure. So the next one up is a 2-1 gold warrior class character, and its title is Abusive Soldiers. And it is another generic character. We are showing these type 2 players all the love. You may reserve a hero from opponent's hand. Protect gold evil characters from the next good enhancement played in battle. So you get to reserve a hero from your opponent's hand if they're hiding one in there. Or if you, you know, do something to put one back in their hand. Because there's a thousand ways to do that, right? And then your gold evil characters are protected from the next good enhancement. So what do you think about this guy, John? I mean, it's it's strong. There's a, what is this, like the third character now that does something with reserving something from the opponent out of the Herod subset? Oh, yeah. So, Herods are all about reserving things. So you do that, and then you're getting the protection from the next good enhancement played in battle. It's good. I don't know if it's going to be good enough unless you're bringing it in as part of a band. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think it's best in the end of a band or something like that. Yeah, just because you have the other guys that come in and do something and then exchange. Those are going to be probably your primary, you know, options if you're using Herod's. And this, you know, kind of seems like if you bring in a band to like lurking, interrupt, and then you bring this in. And it protects gold characters from the next good enhancement. Something like that. Yeah, the only trick with that might be that if you lurk and interrupt something, the way that the protection is wording, you won't get protected. Like, if you interrupt a battle winner, it's not going to do anything for you. You'd have to, like, interrupt just, like, normal things and then and then bring them in and then hope that they're battle winner. And that's the other thing, too, is he's not CB anything. And so any interrupt battle winner is just going to go right through the protection. So he's, he's good, but he's not like amazing. You know what I mean? Right. And, and the reserve a hero part, like that could be good, but I feel like it's going to take some setup in order to actually have a big payoff. He's definitely like my, you know, 10th or 11th evil character. When I look at building out Herod's, unless I'm playing type two, in which case I, I have a home for him in type two. Yeah, I think he's going to be one that you have to consider whatever the splash options are that you can put with Herod's versus just using him because he is a Herod. So he's one that I don't I don't know how much will get played out of the gate 
before, you know, somebody builds exclusively, like, this is what I'm trying to do, and he falls into that. Now, I will say, the one thing that he is pretty solid for is he's tiny. He's 2-1, and so he is a really good initiative character, and a lot of the hairs that we've seen are not. Uh, there's a couple that are decent, but most of these hairs are big boys, and so he may have a role as just your little uh, initiative dude that just goes in and plays something and dies. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm really bad at keeping up with all the spoilers, guys, because I've seen them all. Like, I've worked on them. So I don't always know 100% what you guys do and don't know. So hopefully I don't spoil something here for you. But uh, there's a number of enhancements that are pretty good played on him. Uh, you know, a lot of those play patterns that we've seen, uh, frankly, in some classic cards. And then you've got your things that have made it into rotation where you go out with like Serpent and Block and then play like Death of Unrighteous and stuff like that. There's definitely some Death of Unrighteous style cards and Herods that can be played on this abuse of soldiers. So hopefully you guys have seen those. If not, you just got a spoiler. Yeah. Not to mention, he's with his low numbers. Uh, obviously, you get initiative, but he's also weapon class, so uh, our warrior class. And you can use what is it? Foreign horses? Is that the one that kind of survived rotation that came out in LOC? Uh, yes, yeah. There is. Like there, there's a couple horses cards, but yeah, um, foreign horses is interrupt draw two, and then you can play an evil enhancement um, if they use a draw or surge. Yeah, so something like that can can work on pretty much any of the male Herods, like the Herods Guard, Her uh, abusive soldiers. Most of those that we've seen, I think actually maybe all that we've seen that are male characters are warrior class. Most of them, yeah. yeah. All right, up next we've got a couple of enhancements here. So we have Herod's Banquet. We're going to invite you all to a feast. And we've got X4 numbers. And in the identifier line, we see that X is the number of Herods in battle. And the special ability is interrupt the battle. Character may band to any number of evil NT gold humans. You may discard up to X good cards from a reserve. Cannot be negated if used by a Herod. So I'm going to read that all again because there's a lot to unpack with this card. We could spend 10 minutes just talking about this one card. So Herod's Banquet, X, four numbers. X is the number of Herods in battle. Interrupt the battle. Character may ban to any number of evil NT gold humans. You may discard up to X good cards from a reserve. Cannot be negated if used by a Herod. So my first question for you, John, is how many Herods do we have that are rotation legal? Um... Actual Herods? Yeah. I mean, how, how how big can we get this X count? I don't know, because like things like Herod's Guard, Abusive Soldiers, those don't count as Herod. Herod is just the ones that are that have the identifier Herod, right? Correct. Yeah, we're we're just looking at things that are actually Herods. Herod's Guard is not a Herod. Um so we have the Legacy Rare. And then I think we saw three, maybe, so far. So the Legacy Rare plus three. So we can get it up to four. That's a guess. That, that's a guess. Um, goodness. Yeah, you, you can tell us how high we can get it. 
I, I, oh, I could. I could tell you how high you can get it. Okay, hold on. Let me go here. I mean, technically, technically, this isn't really a, a spoiler because you guys have the GOC set list, right? So you could just go and look at anything that has the name Herod from the GOC set list and that do the fair. count. Yeah, so so I'm not telling you anything if I just go and count them. And a wiser here. man probably would have done that when you asked that question. <laughs> that's okay. You get a pass. I'm a little under week. the weather this week. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's all good. Under the weather. That's not how I would describe it. Come on now. Okay. So, and you guys have titles. So if you guys haven't gone and checked out the GOC Phase Two set list. I suggest you do that. I can't believe that we haven't had people banging down the door demanding to see various cards. So we've got Herod the Great, Herod Agrippa I, Herod Archelaus, Herod Philip II, and Herod Antipas. And that is it. So we've got five on the list here. Plus, plus the legacy rare. Plus the legacy rare. So we can get it to six. Okay, that's decent, I guess. So you can get your X up to six. So, I mean, that's that's decent. I mean, realistically, depending on how people are building their reserves, six might be enough to take out the whole thing. Yeah. That's assuming you can, you know, get to all of them. But I feel like I feel like these days redemption is so fast and there's so much searching. Like, I feel like you can get your X to be three or four pretty easily pretty early on and in mid to late game like it's it's gonna be six right depending on how you build it out so yeah when you when you did play testing with this assuming that you had any interaction with this how often does this fail against the cross just the cross being active forcing this um, card to not be as effective so I did most of my testing with Herods in a defensive heavy shell that was playing the cross. And so I actually don't think I played this card uh, because I knew it was going to get tossed by cross. And the problem is because of how it works, if it gets tossed by cross, it's X is usually like only zero or one, sometimes two. So like realistically, it's X doesn't get huge for tossing usages. It's more like the X. The X is really relevant for the good cards and reserve portion. I wish it was more relevant for the tossing part, but it's it's just not. Yeah. When when I read the cannot be negated, I was like, yeah, it's a really strong card. Like really strong card if you were able to get it off and ensure that it was going to happen, because it lets you. Obviously, you're getting to interrupt the battle. You're banding to any number, and then you get to also you know, pitch cards from their reserve. And then you get to that last line that's like, cannot be negated if used by Herod. And the cross is just going to eat that up. And the cross is everywhere right now. It is, but we've already shown you a few things that can handle the cross in phase two. I mean, yeah, but even with all the answers, if I'm a player that thinks the cross is really good and enjoy playing it and not having to worry about dominance, even for just a turn or two, I'm probably still going to be playing it with the answers that are that are there. So then it's a matter of you've got to get to your answer before you use cards like these. And then you have to strategically plan your your game that way. Like, okay, I've got this card that was a really good potential battle winner or whatever because I'm bringing in all of these extra abilities off this interrupt. 
but I can't do it because they've got the cross active. So now I've got to get that off before I can play this. And then at what point does, I don't know, it become too, too reliant on whether or not it's able to push through without you having to work around the cross. Uh, th that's fair. That's fair for sure. But uh, I definitely think it's a really strong card. Um, uh, granted, you have to work around that. I just look at all the different evil NT gold humans that this can potentially bring in, Herods and non-Herods alike, and just say, okay, here we go. Let's, let's get some goodies going. So next up is another enhancement that has X's in it. So this is Herod's Treachery, and its numbers are X, X. It's Territory Class, and the X is the number of opponent's good brigades. And the ability says you may take an evil NT card from reserve or deck, if used by a Herod, withdraw all heroes. So it doesn't say CBN anywhere on it. So no. you can get you can get this X up pretty big if your opponent, you know, is playing playing loosey goosey with their brigades. You can get the X pretty big, but I don't know how you're going to toss it, you know. So th this has the opposite problem of, of banquet. I can't get banquet's X up high enough, but it's pretty easy to toss. Whereas with treachery, I can get the X up pretty high because I feel like everyone's playing a thousand brigades right now. I mean, all it takes is one Noah. Boom, you're there, you know, and your boy Noah, he's everywhere right now. Right. And so you can get the X super high, but like you're not gonna you're not gonna get it tossed very easily. And frankly, I think I don't know. This is I don't know that I want to toss it. Right. And this card is super like, in my opinion, not to toot the team's horn or anything like that, but like this card is super well designed, right? Because there's so much tension in how you want to use it. Do you use it as a setup card to go grab an evil NT card? Or do you hold it and use it as a battle winner and wait for a moment when you know that they don't have a negate and play it on like Herod of Grip of the Second and all of a sudden, boom, just capture everyone? Like, it's just the tension. And I played, I did play this card and the tension is real with this one. Like, yeah. and so I just think it's really, really well designed. And I don't know which way I prefer to play it more. Like there's definitely times that the taking is super important and the consistency is important. And there's definitely times where you need that battle winning ability. Well, I will tell you that you guys definitely did a solid job not putting a star on it. So it's easier to get back or whatnot. But I mean, the fact that it can go and get, and that crowd's choice is a thing now. And so you can take this card if you're using it for the setup piece. And that's the thing, is making sure that there's enough ways to set up within each individual brigade in the game so that you're not forcing, you know, what did we make the joke earlier? Or I guess you made the joke, but everybody makes the joke about Tyler's decks forcing Delivered and whatnot just because. And, you know, fun fact, Delivered can be played with Herod's, but I digress. The point is, like, having to force certain setup pieces in other decks because uh, those other brigades don't have things. So you have this and with the cost of a Dom slot, which I know that there's been recent conversations on discord that I've seen where, you know, we talk about the, the fact that the consistency of crowd's choice, maybe it's a little bit more than, you know, what the game should bear. You know, that's everybody's entitled to their own opinion with that. But the fact you can take that new Testament card 
with a Herod from your deck and then turning in turn it into anything and crowd's choice then becomes good or evil. So this evil card could turn into any good card in your deck. Um, I mean, it's hard it's hard to pass up the consistency of that for Herods, even if you don't get to use the enhancement as a battle winner or toss it with XX being pretty high. Oh, I for sure agree with you there. I, I do think that the uh, using defense to set up offense, like that's one of my favorite things to do and vice versa. I like using offense to set up defense, but I think in the modern game, if your defense can set up your offense, that's a strong win. And there's a couple different ways that Harris treachery can set up your offense. I mean, you hit the, the, what I would hope would be the obvious one for most players that it can go grab crowd's choice and then crowd's choice can go grab any good card. So you've got that line of play there. Uh, there's a few other sneakier ones that I'll let players find on their own there, but I, I enjoy Herod's Treachery setting up my offense, same as you, for sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, we do know Clean the Power also has the uh, Gold Brigade on it, so there's that one as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of there's all sorts of gold consistency cards. Like you said, Herod's can play delivered, guys. <laughs> yeah, which I... One of the first things that, that hit me when I started seeing how strong these were was I really like playing Ruth from LOC, but it seems like Ruth has, especially with rotation, um, kind of taken away some of the way that you could use, um, what is the card, a soldier's prayer to kind of loop some things. Um, it seems like they really struggle to get uh, the artifact slot and, and manipulate it as well as other decks, and maybe it's just the way that I play that. And now you bring in something like you could pair it with this defense and this defense, you know, having some new toys from GOC and you'd be able to play delivered on it in that deck without forcing it on a character on your, you know, your hero lineup. You know, it, it just kind of opens up another door of consistency for the Ruth deck if you were to pair it with this, but for example. Oh, I agree 100%. I mean, I feel like right now a lot of players are playing the decks that they're playing because it gets them to consistency pieces and things like that. You see players playing a lot of green and teal just as splashes um, that, you know, do other things. You see a ton of like Jeremiah's running around and stuff like that. And Noah's a, cause they're just strong heroes, but B cause they're in delivered colors. And that is testament to obviously how strong delivered is, but it, it influences the deck building quite a bit. And yeah, I mean, I think pale green is really strong right now. I think gold's a little weak right now, personally, but I think pale green is really strong. And so you could pair that. But I think definitely, like you said, you'll see a ton of people that play the offense that they want to play, um, that they think is you know the strongest attacking offense, and then use their defense to help set up some of that stuff um, and compensate for the fact that they're not in uh, a green or a teal for delivered. So next we are on to some Israel's Deliverance K and L starter deck spoilers. So I'm going to read the first two and then we're going to talk about them. So we have Jethro, Priest of Midian, and he is a 4-6 clay hero. He is a priest and his ability says may ban to a generic Exodus female, or you may draw one. 
And then we have Gad, David's chosen. He is a 4-6 green prophet. And he says, may ban to a generic warrior, or you may draw one. So this is deck L19 for Jethro and K19 for Gad. What do you think, John? I think it's uh I think it's nice to have cards that un- unlike the INJ starter decks or the fourth edition starter decks as they're officially titled, that if their ability didn't benefit you or whatever, there was not a secondary. So this is may ban to and then if banding isn't an option because you don't have the other hero target or whatever, you get to draw one. So just having you know, teaching people if you're teaching them a game for the first time that a lot of cards now have secondary. You do this, or if you can't do this, you do that. And having that represented in cards like this on a basic level is is nice. I do think that at some point, you know, outside of the starter deck structure, you could possibly see Gad David's Chosen as like a piece for something because banding to a generic warrior is just, I mean, that's... That's that's a pretty wide, you know, target range there, depending on if you needed to uh, use that color to try to get into a band for, you know, mixing brigades or whatnot. But overall, I think it's a it's a pretty good ability to to teach people that, you know, you can one of two different ways and you get to choose the benefit. What's more important, drawing that card or potentially banding? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, all right, so the next two, you notice I'm reading in sets of two tonight, guys, and we'll get to that. So we have Philistine Charioteers, which is a 6-8 black warrior class generic Philistine. And the ability says you may take an evil weapon from reserve or under deck an evil weapon from discard pile. So there we go with that uh, multiple choice thing again. Then we've got Egyptian Charioteers. A 6-8 pale green warrior class generic Egyptian that says, any guesses, John? I'm going to guess it says something similar to the other card. I think that it says you may take an evil weapon from reserve or under deck an evil weapon from discard pile. So I'm pretty sure it's the exact same set of words. And this is L38 and K38. So... We tried to explain, and there were a lot of questions about how we're doing the spoilers and how the decks are set up. So we were very deliberate this week in our spoilers. These starter decks are mirrored pairs. And so this week you got to see six cards, but truly you're only seeing three because the L deck and the K deck are identical in every meaningful way, i.e. Egyptian charioteers and Philistine charioteers are both 6-8 characters. They even both have charioteers in their name, which is, you know, not necessarily the way that the complete decks are mirrored, but they're both generic. They're both a single um, nationality, Philistine and Egyptian, respectively, and they have the same ability. They have the same numbers. The only difference is the nationality and the brigade. So in the L deck, you have your black defense and you have your clay offense. 
And then in the K deck, you have your pale green defense and you have your green offense. That's that's what we've seen. And then I hope I'm not spoiling anything here. The other offensive colors are white in the L deck. I think we've seen some white cards and purple in the K deck. I'm pretty sure you've seen some purple cards. So the only thing that's different is colors. And then there's identical abilities with very slight variations. Um, and you see that in Jethro and Gad. Jethro's ban selection is banned to a generic Exodus female, and Gad is banned to a generic warrior. The numbers of those two things are identical. So in the context of the starter deck, Gad has the same number of banding targets as Jethro. And yes, the targets that he can ban to are slightly different in that they're the generic warriors and they have different abilities and some of the generic excess females do, but the basic concept there is the same. Um, and then they both have the same draw one. So that that's the idea guys is that it doesn't matter which deck you're playing. The decks should be, and I say should be perfectly balanced because they are identical and it should help for teaching the game purposes because if you are teaching a new player and you give them the K deck and you have the L deck, you should know, hey, the K deck card is this because you've already seen your L deck copy or you know what your L deck version does and all those kinds of things. Um, we did this very intentionally in the hopes that it would make the, the gameplay feel very much more balanced and be a very easy a teaching tool for newer players. So that brings us to our last set of mirrored cards here. We have Ordained Priests, an 11-9 generic Tabernacle Priest, with you may take a good OT card from Reserve or draw one. And we have Procession of Prophets, which is a 11-9 Green Hero, a generic Musician Prophet, that says you may take a good OT card from reserve or draw one. So those are our three mirrored pairs for the week. What thoughts do you have on those before we wrap up spoilers here, John? Um, I do have one that just hit me because I didn't realize that Procession of Prophets was listed as a musician. Mm -hmm. So that's one that you could potentially uh, grab and, and use with like music leader theme decks or whatnot and grab a OT card from reserve. I guess if you banded that in, found a way to consistently band that in, that's not a bad option. But um, I do think that one of the big things people will see when they, they do this is there was talks before and like we knew it was coming, but finally seeing Egyptian charioteers with pale green, seeing ordained priest with the clay, you know, the, the shift in brigades there for those. And obviously we haven't gotten the full answer of if they're completely going into that brigade or whatnot. I would assume that's the case, but, you know, we've, we've just gotten the hints and, you know, the few cards that have pointed in that direction. But seeing it for the first time is kind of like, all right, let's see what that looks like in the future. Like being able to mix some of the, uh, I guess, potential future pre-support with all of the martyr support that we've gotten from GOC that that looks like it could be fun in the future when some of those options come out. Oh, for sure. Uh, there's, 
There's not a whole ton of starter deck cards that I think will make it into competitive decks, but there's definitely a couple, and I, frankly, I think we saw a couple of them in this set. Um, I agree with you that Gad, I think, will find a future home um, as a linking piece somewhere, and I think that both of the Charioteer cards are very solid uh, for their respective civilization defenses. Yeah, especially you mentioned before, uh, people that play type two. I don't know how much you you benefit from this because you would have to like band them all in because they don't band to each other or whatnot. But um, like except for other cards that would end in a band with one of these, but being able to use more than one copy to you know get back a couple of weapons or grab a couple of weapons from your reserve seems like it could be at least something that's considered played there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So now we are going to get into our main conversation of the evening. And uh, like I said, this episode is all about flipping the script. I was trying to do most of the talking, and we're just going to give John 15 minutes here. We're going to keep this episode to an hour because uh, I, I know what's going on with John, and we'll see if he shares or not. But I don't want to keep him too long tonight, and uh, we'll, we'll get him out of here. But I've got about seven questions here. Uh, for John about just kind of who John is and and we'll just uh, see how how far we get here so our guest is John Hendricks the owner operator and main host of Threshing Floor podcast but that is definitely not all he is so John I just want you to take the next five minutes and just you know you've dabbled a little bit in in some of this information over the course of 30 episodes but I just want you to take this opportunity to tell everyone who you are. Talk about your family, your wife, your kids, uh, what you do outside of the context of redemption. Sure, sure. Um, and I guess initially when I started the podcast, I didn't want to be one of those people that spend so much time talking about themselves that they don't allow their guest or whatnot or the topic to be the main focus of an episode. So if you go all the way back to that first terrible audio uh, episode, like, I mean, it's, it's hard to listen to. Thankfully the audio has improved over time, but I asked each person, I had three guests on with me. So there was four of us total. And I asked each one of them about themselves and didn't say anything about me and just rolled right into the topic. So I guess, you know, 31 episodes in, it's a, a good time to circle back and, you know, make up for that. So my name is John Hendricks, and I am married. I am married to my wife. Her name is Tamsie, which is not a very common name. T-A-M-S-I-E, Tamsie Hendricks. True story, guys. I've been friends with John for a while. I've been one of his more frequent guests. I'm his sponsor. I didn't know his wife's name until just now. I, I, I have no reason for that. Like, <laughs> she, She's great. She's fantastic. Like When I tell people like within redemption, all the things that I do, like getting to travel to tournaments, getting to, you know, what time is it now? It's 10, 16. And you know about the week I've had, and maybe, you know, if we have some time here at the end, I'll, I'll mention it. But like the fact that I'm sitting here at my office at work and recording a podcast and she's cool with it. Like she's, she's a fantastic, you know, partner for me to have ridiculously nerdy hobbies. So, um, not only is she cool with it, I'm pretty sure she's sitting in the office next to you waiting for you to be done. 
No, I I actually I actually struggled at, and tried to tried to make the trip myself tonight. Oh, gotcha. Because so, I okay. figure I'm probably going to have to do that tomorrow morning for for work anyway on a normal basis. So, so you figure you might as well get a test run in here. Yeah. So you know if I <laughs> if I if I double up this week, it it would be right now. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, so and then I only have one kid. And his name is Keegan, and that's K-E-E-G-A-N. He is the one who has pulled me away from being more dedicated to redemption and the podcast and things this season because of baseball. He is eight years old, and he does both um, martial arts training. You know, everybody calls it karate, but they get mad at you at the academy if you call it karate. It's really like Taekwondo or some some, some form of martial, uh, martial arts training. Anyway, he does that. He does baseball. And then he is a huge, like, video gamer. Like, he's, he's all about, like, Minecraft, playing Zelda Breath of the Wild for the 3,000th time. So, and you guys, obviously, um, I guess you know a little bit about him because he was on a, a few weeks ago. And I was struggling to have an episode topic and I was like, all right, kid, you're on. <laughs> you just step in here and make daddy's job easier. <laughs> but uh, my my family is, you know, I, I would say they're they're a great, you know, support piece for the fact that, you know, I am dedicating time to to this and other things within the game of redemption. And it, it's nice to, you know, be able to do that. And I know that not everyone has as easygoing of a you know structure that allows them to do that you know but thankfully my wife does allow me to do that and I am very appreciative of that um also I guess since we're supposed to be talking about me and a little bit about me clearly from all of the sports references you have heard while me and my buddy John's been on or me and Brad's been on I love sports I'm I'm here to tell you that we had a baseball end of season party today. Baseball did wrap up this past weekend and we did win first place in our league in the age group. We won the championship game 21 to three. I'm not sure why they didn't call the game before then they should have. Um, and Keegan had, he had one fantastic hit all the way to the, uh, he hit, he rattled the fence and left field by the foul post. I mean, like it, it, I don't think it had any chance of ever going over or anything, but like it, it one hopped right there into the fence. So it was, it was a pretty good hit he had. And that was his last at bat for the season. So that was pretty good. Um, I will say, found out today that he is in consideration for All Stars. So if you've ever been a parent in this, then you know that that means we might be signing up for another, you know, month or so full of, baseball practices and games and tournaments. So we'll find out tomorrow. He's going to a practice type tryout between the last few for the last couple of spots. And we'll know tomorrow if he makes the all-star team. So I don't know if I want him to or not, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? If you've, if you've ever been in this position, you know what I mean? So oh, uh, I, I know what you mean. I've never been in that position, but uh, I had a coworker um, last year uh, and their son um, plays baseball and made the all-star team. 
and it was like hey and they came to me like so here's the deal uh you know how i've been taking saturdays off for the past you know however long because of baseball and whatnot I'm like yeah i thought that was over I'm like yeah no it's gonna be another six weeks i'm like yeah, he's so good it's gonna be longer <laughs> which i mean i guess is better than them just being like yeah your kid's not an all-star <laughs> you know right i mean at least you take some pride in that and my son is not athletic like he 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 struggles with athleticism he is not he is not there on that but he can just flat knock the snot out of the baseball when it comes to hitting and so that's a hundred percent why he's there and potentially making the all-star teams just because he hits the ball hard. He clears the infield just about every hit and, you know, moves people around the bases and stuff. So hopefully, you know, if he does make it, he he enjoys that. And we, we have fun with that. But it will, you know, make my schedule, you know, similar to what it's been. But I do enjoy enjoy sports and things of that nature. I enjoy fishing. Um, you guys have heard me make the fishing analogies and things of that nature. So. Those are a few things that I like to do that do not involve redemption, but I'm I'm pretty nerdy, so most of it circles back to around, you know, just, you know, dedicating time more than I probably should to uh, redemption and things of that nature like the podcast and stuff, which, unfortunately, I haven't been real active in playing the game lately because of work picking up, and I do run a, a warehouse here. Um, I guess, I mean, if if we're going to do it at some point, I guess I might as well, you know, just go ahead and share the story here um, that we had a TV rollout for some company that we've been holding TVs for in the warehouse. And so I just, with a about a three-hour break somewhere in there, I work 22 hours straight, essentially, at work from 8 o'clock Thursday morning. I worked, and then I left about 8.30 to midnight, came back at midnight into Friday, and was here until 3 p.m., all to get paperwork done and to pull these and... 260 units going to 260 different addresses and just organizing that and having a truck come pack that up. So like, and I mean, like, like what, what kind of TVs are we talking here? We're talking like flat screens, like 65 inches, 75 43, inches, 43 inch smart TVs for uh Safeway Safeway. You know, that that's your, your line of business. They're a grocery store. I guess. Yeah, that is my line of business. They and, better not be encroaching on my territory. And they, here. <laughs> They randomly had TVs for us, and they're like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and work on rolling these out. And they send me this list of addresses, and they're like, did you get these out by the end of the week? And it's like Thursday, my dude. Like, well, I guess it's Wednesday, and then we work on arranging a pickup, and I find out Thursday morning that they can have the truck here on Friday at 10 a.m., and so I had to make, like, the stack of paperwork is sitting on my desk right now, which is just half of it because the driver takes a copy for each shipment and then I get a copy of it and it's at least probably six inches tall, the paperwork. So, so then, so you, so you contract out to a third party carrier for all this stuff, John, is that how that works? Basically. Uh, and, and, you know, we have to ensure, 
And since it was one TV per location, the carrier told us it would be better to ship them without pallets, which, you know, makes sense because if you put them on pallets, you're going to get less per truck space. And so then we had the client, which is, um, I guess it's still going through our main client, which is Hughes Network Systems, which is the company that owns, they're owned by EchoStar. They own Dish Network, they own HughesNet, Satellite Internet, and a couple of other various businesses. So they're they're a pretty big business. So we wanted to make them happy when they gave us this impossible deadline. So that's what led to me throwing all this time at work to get this shipment out. And then I'm finally, my kid has the championship game at 6 o'clock. I'm leaving work at 3 o'clock Friday. And... I'm like, I'm going home and I'm going to get a nap. I was not on my phone or anything. I am coming over a bridge that uh, carries you over the river that separates two sections of town in our area, obviously Tuscaloosa County, and then there's the main city of Tuscaloosa, and then Northport, which is north of the river. I was crossing the river, first red light back over, and the speed limit is like 50 miles per hour, so I was going that and a Tahoe pulled out in front of me on a yellow light, which I hadn't hit my brakes because I knew I wasn't going to stop in time. And a Tahoe pulled out in front of me, and I basically hit it. I I barely tapped the brakes. I would say 40 to 45 miles an hour, just head on, basically totaled my car into a Tahoe. And so that's what my Friday looked like. And now I'm dealing with the lingering effects of that which is kind of why John had taken on the the lead here for this episode is because I braced on the wheel both of my hands are kind of shot right now there's no structural damage but they did say that all of my joints and my ligaments are um I forget the the word that he used but they they're just going to take two or three weeks to heal up I slammed both of my knees into the dash the steering wheel pinned down on my legs like basically broke down airbags you know popped out except for the center steering wheel airbag thankfully because that one would have just popped me in the face Um, wait so hold on your your center airbag didn't deploy it did not for whatever reason which i'm cool with that because it would have just busted me up for no reason since i was you know my face was like i didn't slam into the steering wheel or the the dash or anything that's everything else Everything else of me got smashed underneath, and then the steering wheel came down and like pinned over my legs. So, so I I, I want to go to the anecdote here because you and I talked about this earlier when I when you when you reached out and said, "Hey, dude, we might not have an episode this week," and I said, "No, no, 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 hold on, let's let's figure something out." <laughs> um, and uh, so the anecdote here that I want John to share is uh, when exactly did you see this doctor? Uh, I saw the doctor the next day. My wife finally told me that you're getting up, you're getting a shower, and we're going to the doctor to make sure you don't have any structural issues like fractures, broken bones, things of that nature. And I went and got some x-rays done. And and why did you wait until the next day? Uh, because when they tried to pull me out and they told me that I needed to go to the doctor, they had an ambulance there ready to take me. Um, and I told them, no, no, you don't understand. We've got a ball game tonight. <laughs> my son, my son's got a championship to go win, so I, I put off going going to the doctor. And I honestly didn't feel that like I didn't feel that much pain 
But then afterwards, I guess, as the, like, adrenaline or the, you know, like, shock of it went away, I'm like, okay, this wrist is hurting. I can't move this thumb to the point I told you that, like, editing the podcast was would be a chore this week because as I used the mouse and used my hand to maneuver the mouse and click, like, there is pain radiating through my hand and my wrist. And uh, one of my knees is swollen up to – uh, the point to where like I I can't walk without like a noticeable limp. One of my feet, I guess I I kind of I'm the type of person that kind of lays my foot over to the side, to uh, you know, to where the toe is pointed to the right, a little bit to hit the pedal instead of being straight up. So you know, more relaxed of the, on the knee, and so that foot got jammed into uh the floorboard as you know the seat physically shifted forward upon impact. Um, So I just got a bunch of random little things that are, you know, causing a lot of discomfort and pain and whatnot. And they gave me some medicine, but they did say it would be about two two to three weeks to get back to where, like, I don't feel this random pain when I I move this way or that way. So that's essentially the whole, you know, gist of why I – didn't do a normal episode this week here. So, you know, not to, not, to hij- not to hijack your questions here, we got to who is John, and we went all into this. We did. We, we went deep. I still got six more questions here. Well, maybe we'll prune some of those out. So I'll be doing the editing this week, and uh, potentially next week we'll see, we'll see how fast John heals up there. Uh, I think he'll – hopefully he'll be good enough to host next week, and maybe he'll just farm out some of the editing work. We'll uh, – We'll see, and obviously, I'm sure uh, he would appreciate your guys' prayers. I'm praying for him, and that's just a, a scary ordeal there. Um, when he uh, when he messaged me earlier today and said, uh, "Hey, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do an episode, and how do you think we should handle the drawing and stuff like that?" I I messaged him back. I was like, "Hold on, so like, what's going on that we can't do the episode or not?" And all he did was he sent me a picture of, and I think it was his vehicle. I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, that, was my, just, that was my car that you insulted and said was like a Corolla or something. Yeah. From, from Nationals. It's a Passat. It was a Passat. It is no longer a Passat. It, it is, is no it is dead. <laughs> it is a dead Passat. Um, the entire front is absolutely crushed in. Um, and the Tahoe just drove away. <laughs> The Tahoe just drove away. <laughs> Typical. Oh man. So enough about that. Here's the here's the next question. And I'm not a pro like Hendrickson, so these bounce around a little bit. But what is your favorite memory playing redemption? My favorite memory playing redemption. Um it's gonna be hard for me to ever say anything tops the you know, staying up till four or five AM on a Wednesday night after helping Brad with the youth group. Like we would we would rush to get kids home on vans. We would I would take one van to take kids home and he would take another and us rush back to the church because his house was right beside the church. You know it's uh owned by the church. And so you just walk across the the parking lot to his house and boom we'd set up about ten o'clock and play till four AM. And sometimes we'd only get two games in in that time. <laughs> Cause we were just trying to figure out the game and it was like, we were just so engaged with it. I don't know if anything can, can top that as like favorite memories, just hanging out and doing that and learning the game. You know, it's kind of like 
when you when you look back on redemption, like if you look back on the first time that you actually played the game and started learning about it, like I mean, you're fond of those memories, and I don't know that anything can top that. But I mean, I'm also just what a couple of years into playing now. Like obviously, let's just say you take a year to figure out the the ropes and how to play the game. And so we started in 2019. It's 2022. So, I mean, if you take a year, so, you know, I've got two years of competent playing the game. There's bound to be new memories down the road. But I think right now my favorite memory would have to be going through all of those uh, growing pains with Brad and, you know, the fact that, like, sometimes we'd get in arguments about cards and card interactions that would wake his kids up in the middle of the night. (laughs) Oh, man, good times. It's been quite a while since we did that, but definitely fun times that we had there. So nationals, 10 weeks away. You got your decks already yet? Um, How many, how many different ways can I say no? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what category are you most looking forward to? Um, Category I'm most looking forward to is probably teams. And I, I like I'm looking forward to type one as well, but there's not an ex- expectation for me to. And maybe that's just, you know, I haven't played enough to have confidence built up yet in whatever deck I'm going to be playing because I've been so busy with baseball and work. But like I expect for me and Jeremy to go there and with our ability to play the game and put together competent decks, I would assume that we're looking to, you know, place in the top three in that category. Like that's an expectation I have because I'm confident in our ability and also what the field will look like, because I don't think the field will be all that large because of the fact that it's paired up against sealed deck with new starter decks. And I think that's going to take a little bit away from it. So there's expectation to do well. And also we got second place last year. So definitely looking forward to playing teams again. You, uh, you going to share what deck you're playing in teams? Um, I will tell you that we had, we had a strategy down, but at some point I think that strategy is going to change just because of how the meta has shifted. Um, I, I definitely think like we were, we were planning on just doing, doing a deck that could go out and slam down golden cross in the intro prep. So that, that seems pretty good. Just being able to slam that. I mean, I don't know, add in a Moses, really make it really tricky on them. Yeah, you could do that, or you could just focus all of your resources into having your um, almost impossible to beat Noah rescue attempts. I mean, I like those too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we hadn't we hadn't played enough yet. the The goal for us was we were going to build decks, and obviously, we've got something built already, and then use the Alabama State tournament. Tennessee State Tournament, Southeast Regionals, and East Central Regionals, you know, whichever of those tournaments we all we get to go to and participate in, just a lot of, uh, you know, chances to refine that deck and, and strategy and whatnot. So that that's kind of where we're at. We Jeremy came down, we built a, te- you know, a base deck, and then we need to play some games and work on tweaking it from there. All right, all right, that's fair, that's fair. So here's a couple, a couple of good questions. And I, I think I already know the answers to a couple of them, but right now, 
you've been in the game for two years. You're running a major podcast. You've become a really good player in, frankly, a relatively short amount of time. How long do you think redemption will be a part of your life? Uh, um, well, there's a couple of things in there. You called me a really good player, so I don't know. I don't know if you're blind or 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 whatnot, but I was just trying to be said, polite. Right. And, and you said a major podcast. It made me feel important there for a minute. Um, so I think I remember in third, third or fourth grade having Pokemon cards. And it's not relevant that I had Pokemon cards way back then. But what is relevant is then as a teenager, I got into Yu-Gi-Oh! And then uh, shortly after I got married, my brother-in-law dragged me back into Yu-Gi-Oh! for a while. And you know, then I let it go again. And then Brad showed me this game. So at different points in my life, trading card games have always been an interest to me. And now I found one that kind of, you know, jives with other areas of, of my life, like my faith and whatnot. And it's one that I can play with, you know, you know, teach my kid how to play. And there's a lot of people that I've met within the game and personalities. And it's, I don't know that I don't know that I plan on I mean I don't plan on it ever not being a part of my life. So it would have to come to some outside circumstance that would force me to no longer be involved with the game. As of right now, I'm just all gas, no brakes, homie. There we go. I knew I'd get an all gas, no brakes out of you at some point tonight. Yeah, I gave that Tahoe all gas and no brakes. <laughs> <laughs> No, you said you tried to tap the brakes a little bit. They they pulled out in front of you. Yeah, well. So, have you started to teach Keegan to play? I mean, I feel like this probably came up in the episode. I'm not going to lie. I, I listened to your episodes once, John, and I, I pick up on the, the important things, the spoilers and stuff like that. I, I usually, uh, I, I sometimes miss some of the finer things. Yeah, um, so we've... He's he's definitely played with the INJ or fourth edition starter decks. He he's played a ton of games with those to where we're in that situation to where those decks are boring to him unless, you know, things break and he's he's able to see that he's going to win early on in the game. And then it's like now he's just bragging every time he makes a play, he's like, You just got blocked. And, you know, and uh one time one time we were playing and he's like, so are you going to ban? And I was like, no, he doesn't have a band ability. And he's like, well, I bet you wish he did as he drops his <laughs> angel of the Lord on me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine. Uh, so just knowing that he's, you know, starting to get bored with those star decks, we've started to branch out and I created based off of, so out of the Christmas box that he pulled, he pulled a Matthews Begets, David Hart After God, and he had already previously at a sealed deck tournament um, pulled a Zerubbabel. So I used the basis of um, Kevin the Dude, which is Josh Portrat's, his, um, I think he had titled it originally Humble Seekerless Humble Seeker deck, if you recall that. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah, basically I'm familiar. Had the, yeah, he come out with the protection and get the Zerubbabel thing going, but also had the backup of David to go and search out a piece, all of those different things. And since it used a lot of the ultra-rare, or I mean, at one point it used all three of the ultra-rares that he had, and now I don't think Matthew's begets are, 
uh, is included in the deck list. But I ended up building him a deck based off of that. And we've played, I think, two or three times with it. Actually, I, I can only honestly remember two, but I feel like there was a third time. And he beat me both of those times with that deck. Um, and I have bought him his own copy of Three Woes and Second Coming. So he has those. And we've started to build him up his own collection that he keeps separate from me. But it's it's hard to get him to sit down and be interested enough to where you can teach him because he's got that that kid mentality going on right now. He's you know he's eight years old. If he's not winning, he's not necessarily learning. If if that makes sense, you know, most of the time you would think like even if you don't win, you learn something. Well, he doesn't have fun when he doesn't win, so then he kind of checks out, and there's not much of a learning process happening so it's we're we're taking it really slowly to where he's able to hopefully eventually compartmentalize and you're not going to win every game but you're always getting better that type of thing but he's just not there from a you know maturity standpoint yet to be able to see it that way sure sure that's that's fair so uh, my next question is kind of you kind of sort of like led yourself into a little bit i was going to ask you what your reaction is going to be and what you're going to do the first time that uh, he beats you in a tournament, and you said he's beaten you a couple times with uh, with the deck that you built with all the ultra rares, but I'm guessing that that wasn't necessarily in a tournament game. No, but he did beat me. Um, you really didn't listen to the episode with him. <laughs> no, I, I <laughs> but, really didn't. But he uh, that that's fine. I don't I don't mind talking about about this and just um, he beat me in sealed deck where he pulled the Zerubbabel. Oh, that's right. I he beat see. me there in a tournament. Now, I will say again, that's there's a lot of luck based in that because you're using the starter decks and things. Now, when it comes to like in a type one setting to where like I help him build a deck and then we play in a tournament setting and he beats me there, then I think we're going to flip the script and it's going to be more me having that situation to where like I can't compartmentalize it. I'm not learning anything. I'm not having fun because I'm not winning <laughs> and the shoe's going to be on the other foot completely when he does that to me eventually in type one, which I mean, at a certain point it's going to happen. Just, you know, the odds, you know, redemption, even if you're a really good player, like some of it comes down to if you, you've got competent level decks, you know, you're not going to win every game. So why not? Well, what happened in uh, 2016? What happened in 2017? I mean, just crazy decks come out of nowhere that you don't you don't plan for. Now, in this setting of me and him, if like I build the deck and I know what's in there and still lose, again, that's going to lead to me. I'm just not going to have fun with that. <laughs> well... John, that is all the questions that I had there. Uh, I wanted to keep it nice and short for you. Obviously, I know uh, you're struggling a little bit, but I just wanted uh, to have the opportunity for you to be on the other side and, and tell the people a little bit about who you are. You know, you're 31 episodes in now, and I just thought it was time for for them to to get the curtain peeled back a little bit there on on who you are. So I'll give you the, the last shot here if there's anything else you want to say to your listeners, and then we'll... We'll wrap up and I'll get to editing for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, definitely think 31 episodes in at some point, maybe get some personal information. I've actually, I noticed that it happens more organically when I have 
Brad on because I guess he's here in person. So there's a lot more of that conversation and a lot more of like, I remember um, the episode at Christmas time, like I told, told everybody what my son got for Christmas and all of that went through those details. And then the episode with the, you know, Carmen copyright infringement. Uh, <laughs> like there's just, there's, there's been a couple of episodes where there's been a lot more of the, the personal side of it. And I don't, I don't know if you guys out there like that more than just the whole, like last week we had um, Josh Kinnett and, you know, I had some difficulties getting it lined up and getting it started when we were recording, but we ended up just doing him for the conversation. And then it's more, mostly just a Q and a, you know, giving him the floor to share about whatever topic we're talking about. I mean, obviously those could, could have a little bit more personality in them if, if you will or whatnot. So I don't know, I guess if you guys like that stuff and like more personal information in each episode, then, you know, just let me know. And maybe we could, we could kind of build around that and be more open with that. I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm, focusing and giving floor to whoever the guest is and whatever the topic is. I want to make sure that those are what's focused on more in the episode, but definitely thank you guys for listening and 31 episodes in. It's fantastic. Um, we've got the week five giveaway. We're giving away the first contender deck this week from your turn games, along with the covenant games play mat. So definitely excited for that. Definitely glad that we've been able to give back to the community since you guys have been listening and supporting the podcast from the beginning. So definitely appreciate you all listening and putting up with, you know, the bad host here. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much. All right, guys, that does it. That is a wrap on episode 31 of The Threshing Floor with your special guest host, John Early. Thank you all so much for joining us. Don't forget to get your Lackey Grand Prix games in. Sign up for the online tournament being ran by our friend Derek. Get in on that with some real-life redemption. Come up and hang out with me and Jaden and Kai at Minnesota State this Saturday. Make the trek on over. Jay, I expect to see you there, buddy. You said you were coming over from Michigan. I'm excited uh, to see you. I'm excited to see everybody. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a big in-person tournament up here. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, everybody send up some prayers for John that he is fully recovered and able to resume his normal hosting duties next week. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us, and we will get you out and on your way. Peace. Peace.